Hey everyone, Cliff here. We're going to be posting our regular coronavirus news brief a little bit later on today, but in the meantime, we wanted to bring you some additional coverage. The reporting you're about to hear comes from WRL's nightly 7 p.m. newscast, and of course, if you want more uh, at any time, you can go to WRL.com for in-depth coverage on the ongoing pandemic. Again, we'll be back in just a little while with our usual news brief. Thanks for listening. In an effort to promote sales and social distancing in the city of Raleigh, they will allow restaurants to expand their outdoor dining. This starts tomorrow. WRL's Keely Arthur joins us live from downtown Raleigh with what you need to know. Keely? Yes, this is exciting. So pretty soon you could maybe eat dinner on a city sidewalk, a parking space, even an entire street. Officials say this is a great way to help breathe some life back into business day like today, eating al fresco is probably not what you're thinking about. Restaurants, though, think it's key to their long-term survival. I mean, Raleigh loves a patio in general. What was once a parking lot is now a patio at the Flying Biscuit in Cameron Village after their property owner gave them the green light to put down this green turf, essentially doubling their outdoor seating. Like we have more tables out here right now than we do inside. With strict social distancing measures and capacity limits in place, having this extra outdoor space is a game changer. It's like People are very much wanting to sit out here as much as possible. Right, it's a comfort thing. Absolutely. Soon you'll see this concept far beyond Cameron Village. The city's goal is really to help support our local businesses right now with everything that they're going through from the pandemic and then last week's events. As early as Friday, restaurants and other businesses can use City of Raleigh property for seating. So you could soon be sharing a meal on what was once a parking space, sidewalk, or even a city street. So we're doing all of this at no cost to the businesses. And I know you're unique because you're on private property, but do you feel like this is something that we're going to really start to see kind of across the board in the city? I mean, I would like to. I think that'd be awesome. Probably shouldn't say that because they won't come here, but... Important to note, you do have to get what they're calling a temporary license from the city in order to participate in this. Not many people have participated yet, but they're expecting more and more restaurants to join in as word of mouth spreads. And this is going to last through any and all COVID restrictions placed uh, by Governor Roy Cooper. And then also another 30 days after that. So this is going to be a long time coming. I'll send it back to you. Now we just need the weather to cooperate. Kaylee Arthur reporting live from Raleigh. Thank you. Sloan Heffernan in the Live Center, where North Carolina has passed a major milestone when it comes to COVID-19. We now know that more than 40,000 people in our state have contracted this virus. We started tracking these numbers back in March, and as you can see, this rolling average has continued to go up with a recorded 1,300 plus cases today. You know, most people have recovered from this virus, but some sick enough that they have to go to the hospital. And this number has continued to go up here. We are now seeing 812 people in the hospital. That is the highest that we've seen today. 1,140 people have died. 30 new deaths reported overnight. Back to you. Thank you, Sloan. Durham County leaders are working hard to get the message out that COVID-19 isn't over, as you just heard from those numbers. Durham's health director and the city's COVID-19 task force held a roundtable discussion. WRO's Julian Grace listened in, and he joins us live. Julian, this is the group's fourth meeting now, right? 
That is correct, Gerald. The group has been working together for months since the pandemic has started. And if you look around downtown Durham, you can't see any of their marketing messages, but it is very clear they are targeting the most vulnerable. Let me walk you through on exactly what they're doing. As you mentioned, Gerald, we listened in earlier today to that roundtable discussion, and this is what we found out. The group is focused on minority communities, one of the toughest impacted by COVID-19. They've created messages in Espanol to ensure everyone is getting the message, messages on the dangers of COVID-19. The task force has reached out to faith-based leaders in attempts to get the message out to various congregations. And the group has also worked with nonprofit groups to get masks to thousands of residents right here in Durham. Durham County Public Health Director Rodney Jerkins, Jenkins rather, says the city needs everyone's help in the battle of COVID-19. Our ability to respond to COVID is only as good as however many people we're able to get to answer their phones and provide us with timely and accurate information. Jenkins made it very clear as well, Gerald, uh, that the task force is not only serving all residents in this community of Durham, but also immigrants and migrant workers here in Durham. So everyone they're trying to get that message to that COVID-19 is still very dangerous. Absolutely. Julian Gray reporting live. Thank you. Before we get to August 17th, which is the scheduled date for classes to resume, we have to see how the data looks on July 1st. Earlier this week, the state laid out guidance for districts asking them to be prepared to implement one of three plans depending on the severity of the pandemic in North Carolina. Joining us now to discuss the plans to return to the classroom is State Superintendent Mark Johnson. Mark, thank you for joining us. We know it's been a busy few weeks for you and your team. And it's going to stay busy, but we want to make sure that we have the plans that will help get as many students back into classrooms as safely as possible. So let's start with the plan unveiled this week with districts being asked to come up with three levels of response. How are district leaders responding to this plan as is it something they feel they can make happen? This is going to be a huge challenge. So earlier this week, we got the three plans from the Department of Health and Human Services that the governor is going to decide by July 1st whether we're under Plan A, Plan B, or Plan C. Plan A means let's get as many students back into school as safely as possible while holding some back who may have uh, health risks, some teachers may have health risks, we gotta make sure we take the extra steps for them. Plan C is the complete opposite end where if the metrics are as bad as they were earlier this year, we have to close schools and we all have to stay at home. Nobody wants that. Uh, but plan B is that middle ground where you need to socially distance at schools. And we know how challenging that can be. Six feet apart in a school bus, in a classroom, that is a daunting challenge. And a lot of local school leaders and teachers have been letting us know this is going to be very hard to accomplish. And we are here to support our local teachers and school leaders we want to make sure that as the Department of Public Instruction, the education agency in Raleigh, we are giving them the guidance that can help make that happen. It's not going to be easy answers, but if we're not under plan A, if Governor Cooper has to put us under plan B, we're going to make some sacrifices to make sure that we can still have learning occur in the classroom as much as possible. How much notice will they have prior to August 17th for which plan they will be executing? 
Well, I am grateful the Department of Health and Human Services has said that they will let us know by July 1st what plan they expect us to be in for back to school. So shortly after July 1st, you should know. Around, around July 1st, we should know. But they also say, just as they have with everything else in this crisis, that, that those metrics could change and the guidance could change. So we got to make sure that we're supporting school districts and they're ready for whatever plan we enter into in the fall. Well, and this is a lot of information for the districts and for parents to filter through based on the plan unveiled this week. Let's do a scenario. If Wake County were to move forward with Plan B, what would a typical day look like at one of our high schools? Plan B is going to be what people are fearful of being so different. You're going to have less than half of the school bus filled with students. So that means how do we get all the students to school? So there might be that alternate A day, B day. Uh, You're going to get to school and the school's not going to be allowed to have more than half of its capacity uh, at the school. So again, you're going to have to look into ways. Can you use extra space around schools as classroom space so that students can spread out? Are you going to have to ask students who can to stay at home and do remote learning on some days and then come in on other days? That's a huge challenge for working parents. And it's not just working parents who go to an office. We're also talking about other teachers, our first responders who are out there saving lives. These are monumental challenges. Luckily, we still have weeks ahead to plan. Local school districts are planning. They now have guidance from the Department of Health and Human Services on what the plans will be and what will be required. And they also have operational strategies from our department, the education agency, but it doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. Well, and on top of all of this and the frustrations that go along with this, this is gonna be costly. Even before the pandemic, schools often placed cleaning wipes and hand sanitizer on the school supply list. Will the districts have the money and the resources to make sure classrooms are stocked or will parents be asked to supplement? Well, we're, we're not gonna go out and ask parents to supplement. Now, obviously we will always accept donations from parents and we are grateful for that Uh, and that actually you're right during the normal school year helps us get through the normal school year Uh, but this is something that has to be done by uh, the the school districts themselves so we have to make sure we support that need Uh, we are looking at what those costs are going to be we got very large federal age packages uh, two billion dollars almost and 500 million dollars just to go out to local school districts so we're using that to make sure we close some of the remote learning connectivity gaps if heaven forbid we have to switch to remote learning but also that money is probably going to be used for by school districts to buy those cleaning supplies so we're going to look very closely at how far that money goes and we will know if it's going to be enough or if it's not going to be enough. And if it's not, there are already talks in Washington, D.C. about another relief package. What plan are parents telling you that they want to be on for the most part? Are the majority wanting the kids to go back to the classroom or are they afraid? There are as many different opinions about this as there are citizens of North Carolina. And I can tell you they range everywhere from We don't need anything to change. We've got to get back into school exactly like we did last August. Uh, We need every uh, extracurricular activity to be interrupted. We need students to go to the cafeteria, all the way ranging to parents who are already decided 
they're not sending their child to school and they need to rely on some kind of remote learning because their child may have severe asthma or may be in the high risk category in another another way. Uh, and they are even saying, we're going to homeschool our children because we are so worried. So there is no majority sense right now. What we will see, hopefully in the next few weeks, now that we have the plans, plan A, B, and C, and we have operational strategies to address those plans, we'll probably be seeing more and more local districts survey their parents and ask their parents, what do you want to see out of the return to school next school year? State Superintendent Mark Johnson with an update on the conversations going on to return to school this fall. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me.